welcome to Orphaned Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher. Lydia sat with some anticipation, waiting to hear what amusing thing Christopher might say. Little did she know that he had neither joke nor pun to share with her. There was an odd silence between them. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a whole lot to joke about this week, is there? You're kind of not. Let's see. Do I make a joke about the rape, the suicide, the murder? The, 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 the death sentence? There's so much to choose <laughs> the from. The electric chair. What about the circus? We could make a joke about the circus. <laughs> yeah, not a very funny circus. <laughs> no. No, we didn't get to see a lot of really fun acts uh animal cruelty maybe but <laughs> now did you spell axe axe <laughs> uh we'll, we'll have to talk about the lion fight in a when we get to that point <laughs> <laughs> yeah we will definitely there's a lot to talk about in this movie but before we get there i want to first thank everyone for tuning in and to let every any new listeners know that they can listen and subscribe to this show via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Podchaser.com, or whatever podcast app you choose. Wherever you listen, if you have the option to do so, please rate and review the show. If you're a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join. This is a great place to find out uh, what we're going to be covering next and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, just search for Orphaned Entertainment, and there you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the podcast. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. All these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. I do want to remind folks that we are still looking for original script for a five-minute mystery for Lydia and I to produce. For a little inspiration, let's go ahead and listen to one of the original five-minute mysteries and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we will discuss 1933's drama, The Sin of Nora Moran. Another five-minute mystery. afternoon in a small seaboard town, and in an old-fashioned house, old Doc Pucker is resting in his office, waiting for his housekeeper to bring him a cup of his beloved black coffee. Doc Tucker, if you don't quit using that new operating table for a couch, you knew how it scares a body to walk in here and see you stretched well, out there. Better than like... a couch, Carrie. It's adjustable. Long as I was foolish enough to buy this contraption, I might as well. I'll get it, Doctor. Is, is there a doctor here? I saw the sign. Uh, my friend, we, we were humming. The gun went off. Good heavens, bring him right in. Doctor! I'm here, Carrie. Here, young fellow, put him right down here. How, how is he, doctor? Uh, a shotgun can make an awful mess of a man. Doesn't seem to be any buckshot in him, except right here where it almost tore a hole through his chest. But how is he? Well, I'm afraid there's not much we can do for you, friend, young fellow. He's dead. <laughs> Feel better now? Sort of peeled over. What's this all about? Uh, my, my name is Johnson. Bertrand Johnson. His name is Billings. We were partners in business. I see. Uh, I'll have to know what happened for my report. Well, as I said, we were out hunting near here. Uh, that is, he was. Golf is my game. And today, he taught me how to aim and fire a shotgun. This accident, if you could maybe tell me just how it happened. Well, as I told you... He'd been showing me how to aim the gun, and then some birds flew out of the bushes up ahead of us, and he told me to go after them. You only had this one gun between us? Yes, Billings owned it. So you went after the birds? Every time I got near them, they flew away. I kept following them. I, well, I guess I must have lost track of direction. I saw something move in a bush and shot at it. It was Billings. How could you make a mistake like that? I, I don't know. But the bush was very thick, and it was so far away. Far away? Well, it must have been at least 50 yards Excuse me. Carrie, can you come in here a minute? Yes, Doctor. 
Here, Carrie, I want you to make a phone call. Number is on this slip of paper. I'll leave my name and address, Doctor, and the name of my partner's wife. If you could telephone her before I attempt to break the it news. It won't be necessary. Your, your name and address, I mean. I, I don't understand. That was the sheriff I asked Carrie to get on the phone. Until he gets here, I'm holding you for murder. What makes the doctor suspect that what appears to be a typical hunting accident is deliberate murder? Do you know the clue? We'll learn in a moment. But first... Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. Now, back to our story. Doctor, you've no right to accuse me like this. A little while ago, young fella, you were asking me how bad your friend was hurt, as if you didn't know. Then you told me Billings was behind a bush about 50 yards away when this accident happened. Anybody who knows about shotguns knows that the farther away the target is, the more the pattern of buckshot spreads out. The pattern of buckshot in Billings' body proves that it was no accident, that you couldn't have been more than a few feet from him when you pulled the trigger. No, my friend, your alibi missed its mark. of Nora Moran, which which can also be found as the reissue title of Voice from the Grave, which I like that title, mm-hmm. actually. I don't know if it would look as good on the poster, but it is a, it, it's an intriguing title. I'm thinking it would not have drawn as much of a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> the film was directed by Phil Goldstone for Majestic Pictures. The plot centers on a young woman who has been found guilty of murder. She offered no defense and she's been sentenced to die in the electric chair. The what, hows, and whys are slowly revealed through a series of flashbacks, exposition, and inner monologues. The film's poster may be more well-known than the movie itself, as it was painted by the Peruvian artist Alberto Vargas. The artwork depicts a nearly naked woman in a pose of desperation against a stark black background. This poster is often cited as one of the greatest movie posters of all time. The star of the film is Zita Johan an Austrian-American actress who may be most recognized as the object of Boris Karloff's affection in the 1932 Universal classic The Mummy. She made her film debut in D.W. Griffith's 1931 film The Struggle, but after just seven films, she quit Hollywood to focus her work in the theater, which she did well into the 40s. She was also an acting teacher, focusing, focusing on people with learning disabilities. For some odd reason, Johan came out of retirement to appear as an elderly librarian in a 1986 horror film called Raiders of the Living Dead. This would be her last screen credit, and she passed away in 1993 at the age of 89. Unfortunately, that's about all the real information I have. Being kind of the poverty row picture as it is, the actors that are in it, Lots of credits. I mean, they were working actors, and some of these guys have hundreds of credits to their name, but they're just studio character actors. Hey, we have a job for you. Great, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Kind of people. Nothing really stood out that I could find. Yeah, it's interesting. I looked up even the writer. This is the only credit to the writer. And wow. I will say it is a credit to the writer. So, well, <laughs> well I'm sure we'll delve into that too, but um, let's say this this story is far more impressive than some we've seen lately as stories go. 
as far as how it is put together and everything, yeah. I mean, we had a lot of fun with our last film. <laughs> but it was a relatively simple and not unheard of kind of story. This one, this is one of those stories where you think modern cinema has done it first. And here we are mm. in, you know, 1933, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. it? This really feels like something that uh, almost like Pulp Fiction, like Tarantino would try to put the throw together or something. Yeah, I absolutely agree. The story as it is told is, I, 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 I keep struggling with my words and it's not because I don't want to insult the movie. It's because I, I can't think of a good compliment that encompasses it without just spoiling the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) It it is, it is one of those movies that it's bizarre because it is what it seems to be. And then at the same time, it's not, it's, it's, I think for that reason, that's what I mean by saying it really is a credit to the writer. Yes. And a, a lot of what I think we can help describe to people what we're trying to kind of stumble around is the story itself is cold is told in a, in a nonlinear fashion for the most part. Uh, we actually come in. I mean, the beginning of the film is really the end of the story. It really is very much. And people say that a lot <laughs> and it's not quite true. It's like, Oh, it's the end of the, it's the end of the story. But then there's another 15 minutes of really involved plot in the movie. This movie is not that way. This is really no. after the story is over, you are getting the whole story as told by somebody else. And I think the brilliant thing is, is you don't realize how much story has passed yes. before we get to the beginning of this film. I mean, I was very surprised. And I'm, yeah, I don't want to give away everything. I don't want to spoil the end. <laughs> but. I was very surprised that, you know, some of the events that we end up learning about have happened at the end of the film, which is still at the beginning of the story. That's a little confusing to talk about. I was very surprised at some of the stuff that transpired. I wasn't expecting it at all. Mm -hmm. I absolutely. I really thought, you know, when this woman comes in and I found these letters. Well, hello, Edith. What's the matter? Something wrong? I found these letters in Dick's safe. Read them. Clever woman. She doesn't spy in her name. Not on any one of them? Not on any one of them. But read it. It's most enlightening. Charming, isn't it? All the seasons of the year poetically recorded. Winter. My fire. My house. Spring. Spring comes to the love nest. The tree outside the living room window is budding, and I win the bet. The blossoms are yellow. Isn't it beautiful? Two lovers in their sylvan retreats staring at the trees. I want to know who this woman is, yeah. <laughs> this woman on the side. And you're thinking, you're in the middle of something, you know. And no, we're, gosh, this could have been weeks, if not months been, after yeah. the events. Or years, years even. And, that's, and I think that's the most we should say on that point. Because it, the, that's, that, that leaving it open to that speculation is mm-hmm. what this movie does well. It really, and and like the movie, we're now at the end of our conversation. So how many Othels are you going to give it? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, this is like, this might this be a like short episode. <laughs> this is going to be a kind of a short episode because it's going to be very difficult to talk about this film without really giving away what, I think the strength of this film and what it has the most to offer. I think, I, well, I think that we can talk about everything up to the point where she's on death row ready to be executed. Everything up to that point is open game. And then at that yes. point, dear <laughs> listeners, you're not going to hear anything else. That's it. You're cut off. So yeah. telling you right now, the end of this, at the end of this, you're not going to know whether she actually gets executed or not. You're going to have to watch the movie to find out. We chose this story just because I thought, you know, the plot sounded a little interesting. It wasn't just like many of the films that we choose. It's just you throw a dart at, <laughs> at, at something and go, ah, that, that one sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't sure what we were going to get where, when we started walking in. I, oh, I thought I knew. I, I When we talked about covering this film, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, it's just, you know, romantic drama. And, you know, she's going to be, you know, accused. But then they're going to have this dramatic, you know, search and they're going to find out, you know, oh, no, of course not. And the end is going to be, you know, oh, she's, you know, and and it's not, it's not at all a story that 
I've seen before. And I think going through, uh, kind of trying to click through a couple just to see the quality of the film and everything, and you get jumping through, you get all this narration. You're like, oh, God, is this whole film narration, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, yeah, no, it is. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it, it is from the standpoint that it is telling the story after it's already happened. Mm-hmm. But it's not lacking in direction. Not not action. I don't want to mislead you guys by saying, oh, it's got a lot of action in it. It's not that kind of movie. It's a drama. But it does have a lot of direction. There is a lot of there are a lot of events that happen in it. So it's not just sitting there, you know, listening to somebody talking in a, an easy chair. Right. But I was really I was really concerned that it was going to be. I even read a, just the briefest of some of the uh, reviews. There was a lot of people focusing on that. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm looking forward to watching this. But, yeah, this one really drew me in because I was like, wow, this is this film's a lot deeper and more interesting than I ever would have expected from this era. What or, or what few expectations I had going in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I think from this era, in this era, I think you tend to expect there to be brushes with risque activity, but pretty early on, it hits you with some pretty dark subjects. Yes. Oh, this is a fantastic example of pre-code, especially when we're coming towards the end of the pre-code, pre-code era. Mm-hmm. This film has got all the pre-code elements in <laughs> spades. I mean, you have a person that is... Uh, gosh that commits a horrible act benefiting you've got uh somebody you've got the the subject as you mentioned of rape actually openly being addressed um Mm -hmm. not conclusively but definitely openly addressed you have uh the execution of a woman which at this time was very was i think still very uncommon uh you know that they it just was not super common for them to sentence a woman to death, especially by the electric chair. I think the movie says yes. the first woman in 25 years to die from the electric chair, you know, and, and it talks about early on right away. It starts talking about, you know, they have to shave her head and they have to order the size of the box. And she's only five foot one or the size of the, um, the coffin, coffin, the casket. Thank you. And, you know, and I think that it does a really good job of addressing in this era a woman being, I think even now, I suppose, if we heard that a woman was on. It would be an event. It would be an yeah. event. It would be a, a very surprising, I think, because you don't typically see. Uh, I'm going to start going off onto crime theory here. I'm going to try not to do that. <laughs> but it is very dark early on. I, I, I was very impressed that they went to the barber and him saying, oh, I got to shave her head. And you think, oh, gosh, this is something – this guy's never had to shave a woman's head for this before, ever. Probably he's mm-hmm. never shaved a woman's head, period. You know, and it's it, it's very dark, but it's immediately gripping for that reason. They even bring it up again um, when one of the characters is visiting the, the casket. Come, look at her. I don't want to. Come on, look at her. What's the matter with her? She's dead. I don't like the way they've fixed her hair. They shaved part of it off. Why? Why did they do that? So the current would go through her head. It doesn't go through her head? It goes through her head, her arms, and her legs. That's a lie. It goes through her head, her arms, and her legs. If you don't believe it, come to the execution tonight. They're going to kill her again. The warden wasn't pleased with the way she died. I won't have it. They can't do that. But they've done it. Don't you understand? She's dead. It's morbid. It it really doesn't try to soften the reality of that whole death row experience, for lack of a better word, experience. Yeah. Also, another pre-code is a uh, a law a member of law enforcement, in this case, a district attorney, actually being a participant in a crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something else that was verboten and, uh, after after the Hayes Code. Yeah, I mean, and we already expect there to be some risque clothing on women. I didn't necessarily ex- expect close-up high-kick crotch shots, but we got that. 
<laughs> for quite a long moment, too. And I was like, those are women's crotches. That's just crotches over and over. Crotches. <laughs> they're clothed. Yeah, they're covered crotches, but it's close-up shots of crotches. I was a bit baffled. Not baffled. Yeah, that was during uh, she went to the club yes. to become a dancer, or that was during the circus or he something. Takes her but yeah, out, it was a... They go to see a kick line, and it's just right. It's not like... Oh, there are women Lots kicking. of satin panties. Yeah, yeah, it's not like there are women high-kicking. It's like there are middle, lower abdomen high-kicking. <laughs> you don't even get the faces. That's the scene that guaranteed someone's going to walk in the room while you're watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be like, Lydia, why are you what watching? Are you watching? <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> well, and it's oh, funny. is this? Is that why you're watching this? And by today's standards, it's still very modest, but the, yes. the focus of the shot makes it extremely <laughs> risque. It, there's and it doesn't show anything that you know you would imagine being in a the movie theater in 1933. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, there must have been warning. Well, maybe there weren't warnings on it. It's pre code. <laughs> you imagine right. you know your little kid sitting next to you and. Oh, <laughs> women, women, women do have two legs that go up past their knees. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the actors, certainly about the, you know, the actress, the star of the film, Zita Johan. Yeah, no credit, very few credits to her name. Um, I didn't immediately recognize her from The Mummy, mm-hmm. but it's been a while since I've watched The Mummy. But then the minute I saw the poster, I went, oh, of course that's her. Duh. Right. <laughs> She's got a very unique look. I, this is the weirdest thing, and I, I, it's terrible to even bring it up, I suppose. But I'm watching her on the TV, or, and watching it during this film, and I'm the whole thing. I'm time I'm watching her. I'm thinking, like her head seems too big. <laughs> it's because she's only five foot one. She's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. She's got a normal size head. <laughs> she's got a normal. No, it, honestly, it's not something that I noticed. That's. That's an interesting comment. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it was now it was curious. a little distracting for me. I, now I got to find a picture because I'm thinking, wait, did she have a large head? But you know, part <laughs> of it is the hairstyles of the time. It, it very much could be just because of the hairstyle and because it was 1930s, so you're supposed to be you know wafy. You're Wafe-ish. supposed to have thin and thin arms, huge and, eyes, just massive eyes, and big eyes, <laughs> and it probably just kind of throws everything off. Uh, I think she did well in this film. I mean, she had to. She had to do a lot. I mean, she had to be the woman that's under sedation in a prison. <laughs> she had to be the woman who was happy at one point. She had to be a woman that was innocent, broken. Yeah, a broken, yeah. very innocent early on. She had to be mm-hmm. essentially a, a high schooler early on in the movie uh, and then go on to be a, a woman who is at least – uh, at least perceived to be a very risque sort of lady of the evening type, uh, you know, obviously a, a con artist and a, and a man chaser, a man eater almost. So yeah, there, there's a, I think it's interesting. I think you're right. I think it's interesting that every person in this movie has a very different perspective of her. And she, as the actress had to portray each one of them. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause when you see her, uh, with her, as we find out, her uh, her lover, who actually is the married governor, or soon-to-be governor at the time of this that you see him in the story, uh, Dick Crawford, played by Paul Cavanaugh. Yeah, that's where you see her. She's she's her happiest, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's thrilled with her. She's, she's a kept woman. You know, she's being housed, and he's renting a home for her, and she sees him on Mondays and Fridays, and she's okay with it. Because and that this is like happy. They're they're happy together. This is her version of happiness. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, she goes from orphan to second time orphan <laughs> when her adoptive parents die, and then to a showgirl, and then to a a circus assistant, mm-hmm. and then to a rape victim, <laughs> and then <laughs> hey, when you've gone through all of that, Friday and Sunday or Friday and Monday sound pretty darn good, probably. Yeah. Exactly. But then, uh, yeah, the way uh, the district attorney uh, sees her, he sees her as someone who was trying to, um, like, a grifter. He, mm-hmm. She's trying to pull a fast one. She's trying to, like, oh, you just wanted, you're just going to hang out till he's governor, and you're going to, you, how much money do you want? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just, she's got to play all those parts in, in this film. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, it's 
maybe a little disappointing that she was uh, a little disappointed with Hollywood. It might have been interesting to see what she did with the rest of her, her life uh, in film. I mean, obviously, she went on and do theater, and she was apparently very successful at it. So, well, and this is, uh, yeah, she had talent. Yeah, this is not a this is not a part that you're going to get a whole lot of offers on, especially not in this era when f- women's parts were, you know, either the cheerful, sassy girl or the, you know, kind of snobby fiance. That was kind of what you got. You either got the cheerful showgirl or you got that, you know, the rich woman that just, you know, can't be satisfied. And this is a character that is is downtrodden and remarkably honorable through all of that. Like Amazingly remar- so. And I think in a way, ideal, idealistic is the word that I want. She still remains very idealistic through all of the things that we've already mentioned. Uh, but she, through the process of that, has a lot of sadness. And so the overwhelming aspect of this character is she's just a sad character. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's, I don't think there was a whole lot of call for that in this era, especially coming through the depression. You don't really want a lot of sad people. <laughs> you kind of like, you go to right. the movies to see happy people. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, you know, obviously we know very little about her uh, as far as, you know, what roles she was offered. And, you know, obviously we only know what roles she took, but I, I can see her easily going into something like the mummy from here because it is a darker kind of feel, but you, well, she did the mummy well. first <laughs> yeah, so. coming into this or going into something else dark. And yeah. you know, this, this in its own right is almost a horror movie. Um, yeah, very much. It has yeah. some aspects to it that are very horror like, and mm. I think there just wasn't a lot of call for that in this era. You do wonder, yeah, like you said, we don't know, what roles she were offered. I Did they see her in things like The Mummy and then they see her things in this and then were, were all the offers, oh, we need we need a woman that's, Sad you know... Sad and depressed. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of crying, a lot of being beaten down. <laughs> and she's yes. like, ah, I don't want that role again. <laughs> right. Very possible. Yeah. It'd be very interesting to know what her reasoning, if that was part played into her reasoning for leaving Hollywood, was just the offers that were coming, were they just yet another sad and broken woman can't i be the the happy girlfriend or something of you know the fiance no no i no okay never mind well that's interesting i i saw that she had she was married three times so again you know we're completely speculating maybe she moved off to new york to be with somebody and got more involved in the stage from that or you know i guess we i guess we really like to speculate yes (laughs) in other words everybody we don't know (laughs) <laughs> but she, I think you're right. I think she would have been interesting to see in. It, she wasn't unpleasant in any aspect of this character. It was just, it was just it's the whole, most horrible backwards compliment. I think I've paid anybody <laughs> on this podcast. But she, I, she, I, it's funny. It's hard to pay it, the compliment in a different way. <laughs> yes. I'm really happy though too that I mean the the last two films now we've seen have had some very strong women characters, mm-hmm. very different characters, very but both different. strong women. Mm-hmm. I really found that interesting in this one is that at no point is she 1933 especially, I think you would expect the woman to at some point when push comes to shove, oh she's going to break down and she's going to tell everything and you know, she's going to ruin the lives just to save her own mm-hmm. and None of that. I mean, she remains honorable as as she sees it and silent Mm -hmm. uh, about, I mean, she could save her life, Mm -hmm. but it would destroy at least two other lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Including, including one person who she loves. Mm -hmm. So she's willing to die for this person. That's so interesting. I mean, somebody please tell me another film from this era that something like that happens. I, th- I tell me another film pressed. from any era where you have a woman yeah. who's been through the loss of parents twice and has been a rape victim and has been through all of the trauma and struggles of the Great Depression and still comes out willing to sacrifice. And I suppose we're also talking about the basic human condition. I mean, <laughs> tell me anybody now who doesn't feel that way 
But also tell me anybody in a movie that, that those actions are played out. I'd be very interested to see another movie where there's a woman that goes through all of this and doesn't at some point just say, that's it. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to take what I can take. I think it's not very common to, to stay in that idealistic mentality in movies. And I think it was very interesting that towards the end, the one that cracks is actually one of the men. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you, know. you might find that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only say that because I think men are more soulful than we give them credit for, especially when you care about somebody. But it well, is again, I'm also Sarah, I think. To yeah. Thank that you. That's portrayed. that's that's. <laughs> that's what I thought was interesting, and that's what I was trying to clarify. Is for this era, I think it was very interesting that it was the man whose whose guilt finally gets the better of him, and then he wants to finally make it right. And of course, well, again, We're don't want to spoil yeah. too much. And then, of course, you have to watch the movie <laughs> to find out what happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and a movie that's only sixty five minutes long. Yeah, this is this is a movie that I started watching it the way I start watching all of our movies. All right, let's see. What have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> and I think, honestly, the, the way this movie starts, we start off with Edith, who is the, the she's not prissy. She's controlling. The controlling housewife comes barreling into her, I thought it was her lawyer's office. It's her brother's office. I mm -hmm. found these letters. These letters prove that he's having an affair. Uh, you know, I want to know who this woman is. And and then very quickly, I got very absorbed in this movie. Um, you know, of course, you already you find out immediately that the woman in these letters is Nora Moran, and you see the clipping that she's on trial. She's been convicted of murder, and so then you're like, oh wait. These are love letters from a murderer. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. It catches you immediately. And didn't you think my first impression when he starts telling like, look, yes, yes, that this woman who was his girlfriend, but let it go. And like, is he really going to tell his sister to like, just let this slide? You know, because you don't know. Now, my conversations with women usually go that way. <laughs> You, at least in the past, you know, we were like, you know what, just forget about it. It was a one-time thing. Just let it go. You know, you've still got the man. Don't worry about this other woman kind of thing. But coming from, yeah, coming from a man and especially her brother saying, you know what, just let it go. Go home. Be happy. You kind of go, wait, what? Like, yeah. well, I suppose, in the, and I really thought, well, in the 1930s, yeah, the argument would be, you know, it's not worth a divorce. You know, it's it's not worth that. Well, I really thought that this film was going to take a very misogynistic mm -hmm. turn. And it, it, I'm like, oh, weirdly it's going to be it one of does. these movies. It does <laughs> take a weirdly misogynistic turn, but not the way you were thinking. I mean, not, mm -hmm. not as much misogynistic as it just shows how male-centric the society was. Mm. Well, at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah other than that like i said the rest of the stars of the film are just a lot of character actors they are all good in what they did uh i don't think there was any of them that really stood out i actually felt that uh alan dinehart as the uh oh, not alan dinehart i'm sorry paul cavanaugh as the as a uh, dick crawford the governor was a little wishy-washy for me. A little milk toast. Choice. I agree, and it's interesting. I, I, when they brought him in as the love interest, I, at first I, I didn't think he was because he's introduced as the man that wants to see her backstage, and then they go dancing, and then he's, you know, he's like, oh, you know, would, would you, you know, come with me? And and the whole time I'm going, this isn't the hero. He didn't look like, this isn't the hero. He didn't look like the hero. He didn't act like the nope. hero. He didn't sound like the hero. And I'm not going to tell you how the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> but he is the love interest. Well, he's not the hero. <laughs> <laughs> he, interestingly, <laughs> I can't say. Uh, but, but it is interesting. He's not the character. He's not the guy you would think they would pick for being you know, this passionate love interest for this this woman that has been through so much, but he is. And mm -hmm. almost bizarrely, they really both seem to care about each other. Do you think we could get 
president to put three Mondays and four Fridays in the week. Why? For those are the days I see you. <laughs> Come over here, dear, will you? I need it. You've been happy here, haven't you, dear? When I was a little girl, we used to say foolish questions deserve foolish answers. <laughs> And even yeah. more bizarrely, she still cares about him even when she finds out he's... And, that, and that's an interesting question. I sort of perceived it as she didn't know he was married until mm. the brother-in-law came and said, go back to your wife, you know? <laughs> no, that's possible. I mean, there was no explanation given as to why she why she thought she could only see him on Mondays and Fridays. I So... I figured maybe he was. I immediately my mind goes to traveling salesman Be- because of business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Immediately my mind always goes to traveling salesman. Uh, but I, I would have to watch it again to see if they actually comment on her say if she ever comments that she knows who he is or what he does. Good point. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure she, that she knew. I just assumed that she did, and was okay with it, but. It may be, mm, I don't know. I almost feel like it's true to her character for her to say, I don't really know that much about you. And she, he does give her a ring. It is mm-hmm. obviously not a wedding ring. Um, and she even comments on it's so heavy it keeps slipping around, you know. And So it kind of looks like a wedding band on her finger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's interesting. But, but you also think for a woman who's been through what she's been through, maybe she's afraid to... You look a gift horse in the mouth, you know. To even ask, mm-hmm. yeah. Look, if this if this man loves me this much and I love him this much, then and he's willing to set me up in our home together, then I'll just, you know, be grateful for what I have because I've had. She says this is the one time in my life I've ever been happy. Right, and that would actually still hold even if she knew he was mm-hmm. married. It that reasoning still holds Absolutely. up, and especially for her character. But I think. We'll just talk about her character. <laughs> I was going to say, for people in general, they are less likely to question something if they're genuinely happy. But for her character especially, I think it makes sense. The other real star of this film, and you've mentioned it before uh, early on, was the direction mm-hmm. and some of the uh, cinematography uh, so that they did with this film. I really liked – I thought it was maybe – it got to the point where maybe it felt a little overused. But I did like when you went into the – the monologue or not the, the inner monologue or the narration part of a scene, there would be like a dark swipe. Mm -hmm. So the screen would get a little darker. And then, so you knew that someone was telling you what was going through someone's mind Mm -hmm. or what had happened, you know, off screen. And then it would swipe back and the screen would lighten up and then the action would continue kind of thing. I like, I kind of like that. That was kind of a neat uh, method and an interesting idea. They definitely used a lot of visual cues in this movie to help you, and they, I think to a large extent they have to because, as you mentioned, it's not told uh, chronologically. And so, and it, even early on it says they gave her, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to say opium. I don't think it was opium. They gave her something else. To, a sedative. A sedative kind, to, yeah. to help her relax, but her mind, it only relaxed her body. And so her mind was confused. And she keeps, I, I love the way that they do this where she'll be having a conversation with somebody and she'll say, they'll say, well, I gave you money so you could leave the circus. And she says, um, well, do, give me the money again and I'll leave, I'll leave again, but I'll do it right this time. And so kind of a, kind of a lucid dream yes. state. And so she's remembering, but she's remembering in the, in the present time. And she says, oh, I'm not in prison. Look, I'm in my, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my circus uniform, and, you know, to, and, and so it, they do a really good job where she'll be having a conversation with somebody and then she says, did I do it right this time? Was that better than the last time I did it? I mm-hmm, did it wrong mm-hmm. the first time I did it. Let me try again. And, I, and at first I was confused, but it's, it's a great way of showing, I think, how we, I think how humans have a tendency to run through things in their mind over and over and think about, you know, she says at one point, I, I, I keep thinking about the different things I could say, the different ways I could hurt him so he'll leave. 
and and I can do it this time if I can just do it again. Just let me do it again to just go back and try and fix the thing that we did. We always go back and think, if I if I had just done this, this one thing a little differently, then it all could have turned out better or it all could have gone differently. You know, I wouldn't be here in this situation I'm in right now. And they use a lot of visual cues to show that. And I think it's done eloquently. It's very, mm-hmm. very beautifully controlled. It's not excessive. And I never, at no point does it feel forced. Mm-hmm. And, and I, th- I think it's actually a, maybe even a little groundbreaking because, yeah, I think it's something you might expect from some filmmakers today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly wasn't expecting it when I sat down and watched this movie <laughs> to have this kind of a story. The night that I, that I watched it, I always post that I'm, you know, the films that I watch, I give it like a, r- a real quick couple sentence reviews or whatever. And I post to Facebook and I posted it to the Facebook group. I said that there was some interesting ones, some effective of maybe overused storytelling techniques and a great elements of pre-code film. I described it as Inception-like story mm-hmm. with an ending that I didn't, certainly didn't see coming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so uh, it, as far as if you want to talk about kind of a more modern film, Inception, I think, would be a really good comparison. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, um, you know, the, the, the dream within a dream kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she's in her own mind replaying the events and trying to take, you know, route B, mm-hmm. but but it, it never actually works because that's not what happens. Exactly. So she still has to, she's forced to go route A. Got to have better that time. You did it all right. It's because I've dreamed it so much. It really happened. All I could think of was that he has a wife. That hurt so that I couldn't think of much else. But now it's different. Every time I dream it, I think of different things to say to him that'll hurt him and make him leave. But I can't do it anymore. I just can't. You won't have to. Why? Don't you remember? I don't have to go through that again, do I? It happened. But that was because I didn't leave soon enough. Don't you understand? All I have to do is go now. It won't happen. Don't you see how easy it is? I'll just leave. I'll go now. It won't happen. But it did happen. You killed him. Yes. That's right. I killed him. No, it's already happened. And Isn't that really interesting? The characters in her mind are still telling her, like, you, well, no, you're in prison. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the electric chair. No, she, no, of she course not. She knows in her mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's. I think it's super. It's super effective. <laughs> yes, it is super effective. It also is. It's also highly effective. It's. it's a, it, I think you've said it all when you said that it's not forced. It's very. Well mm-hmm. This is definitely a film. Unlike a lot of the movies we watch, this is a film you cannot just click on and casually view. I agree. Interestingly. This- a lot of the time, that's what I'll do for my first watch through on one of our films. I'll kind of put it on the background and kind of do other things. And then I can come back and really focus on it because I know the story already and I can say, okay, this happens later. So I need to watch this part to, you know, really grasp what happens. In this case, I didn't do that. I turned it on and I was glued to it pretty much from the start. And you kind of have to because if you're not, you're going to lose. Even if you just miss, yeah, yeah, you're going to lose the thread, and you're going to be like, "Why is she talking like that? Who's this old woman? Why is she saying these things that she's saying? Why is she dressed like a circus performer in prison?" (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe the only thing else we can really say is, as we mentioned before, there are some very dark elements to this story, Um, and even the. The lighter of the dark elements. I mean, we have some, uh, yeah, immediately the first thing that came up. Well, first, obviously, yeah, we we find out about a woman going to the electric chair. Okay, yeah, I'm not saying that's not dark. (laughs) But when she goes to the circus and we get the the lion wrestling act, and it's this guy that's just smacking a lion upside the head (laughs) and wrestling with a lion, and you're like... This is honestly, I love this. This is perfect. I This is probably the first movie I've watched where I haven't been horrified by the treatment of the animals in it. Because <laughs> I'm watching it going, this is clearly a trained lion. Obviously, he's sure. playing with this lion. You can see that the lion is batting back, but it, 
it doesn't have its ears back. It doesn't have its snout snarl like snarling. This is a lion right. that's just kind of playing, and he it's ferocious because it's a, a freaking lion, you know. So of course the right. crowd is terrified because it's a real lion. It's not a man in a lion suit. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a lion in a giraffe suit. It's a real lion. <laughs> But, now I want to see that. <laughs> I've got a video. I'll send it to you. <laughs> but it is it is actually funny because I'm watching it going, you know, oh, the amazing wrestling lion and expecting to be horrified because it's the 30s. They're going to be stabbing it like they do the bulls in Spain. No, this is lion just like chilling, hanging out. The guy swats him. He swats back. They're like, OK, now we tumble on the ground. They're having a good old time. I I was not horrified by any of the okay. of the animal, which is so weird i usually am <laughs> well at least we didn't get to see we didn't have to see a dog get shot like in that no. one movie. Yeah. anytime you're shooting animals i'm like nope i'm done i can't watch it ah this is this is a lion who's makes good money for this guy he takes better care of this lion than he does of his assistants and i it does show the, how uh, low of a budget. I mean, we are talking a poverty row picture. Uh, Majestic Pictures was not rolling in dough. I, the the budget on this film had to have been extremely small. So that's pretty much the extent of the circus that you see. It is the whole circus. <laughs> the whole circus is apparently the tiger wrestling act, and any other anything else we see, I think, is just like stock footage. Or yeah, I think they've got the, a the dancing girls, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just stuff they had lying around the studio. And they've got a post- poster of a, a man on a trapeze but you only ever see the poster <laughs> right <laughs> the way that yeah, you the can budget tell the, does their travel the budget does show yeah yep yeah. yeah. but it I, it's also not distracting so it's w- one of those we keep i keep going back to it and saying you know it's just it's really well done nothing in this movie is i think badly done to the point of distraction which again is such a backwards compliment but considering that we've seen so many movies where they really have done something badly to the point of being distracting, I, that's actually a really good, a really big compliment coming from me. <laughs> yeah, despite the the obvious low budget, I don't think this film comes across as looking cheap. I agree. Um, about the, like I said, I think if you want to pick at it, the the fact that you don't see a circus at all is maybe like the one thing that you're gonna go. Well, you know, come on. But but of course the rest of the story it's not it's not important. You're right. You don't need to see the circus act. You have no idea exactly what she even does as this she assistant wears to the uh, costume and looks pretty. As yeah, as the Paulino, whatever he is, I think. Says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paulino, yes. We should yeah, if, should we talk a little bit about the district attorney whose name is so funny. They call him Grant in it. We just know him as the bad guy, <laughs> where there's really not a bad guy. He's just the guy that's prosecuting her for this murder. But it, yeah, that he's was interesting. The other oh, main character. If, if there are mm-hmm. two main characters, it's not really Nora and Dick. Dick and Nora. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's actually more. Even though Dick is the the love interest in it, really the character that has more impact on Nora's life is Grant, the district attorney who's also the brother-in-law that we see early on talking to the wife. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting that a crime is committed. He helps Nora cover it up, assuming that, look, this isn't even my state. But if it was, if this was my state, I'd have to prosecute you for this. And I would. And I, and I would. And through uh, the events that transpire, suddenly he finds himself in that very position. Mm-hmm. He's and he's interesting. He's he's a character that we know from the beginning that he's been in the confidence of her lover. I mean, he you know mm-hmm. he's in that awkward position of the brother-in-law. So it's his job to keep the peace between his sister and his brother-in-law if he possibly can. But early on, he takes the side of this convicted murderess. I'm going to call it a murder. I'm going to call her a murderess because that's such a 1933 word. So <laughs> she he takes the side early on. Of this murderess when his sister comes demanding to get retribution against her. And so even though we find out that he's the one prosecuting her, we know he actually has admiration for Nora. And it, and it's there's not a lot of acting on his part, but the character is so remarkably interesting, I think. Do we know? I don't think it ever came out. 
I don't think he actually ends up knowing. I think you're getting too far into the plot. Okay. <laughs> the fact that I retract <laughs> my <laughs> statement. I don't know. I just want to keep very far away from any questions about Nora's guilt because from the beginning we know that Nora's guilty. She says she's guilty. She's guilty. It's super interesting. <laughs> so, but he's, it's interesting too, I think, though, that y- you see this guy that is like, yeah, here's this, here's this murderer, but through the whole thing, he still has this admiration for her. And a lot of that comes from the strength that she, that her, her resolve. Not to talk about yes. what happened, not to defend her actions, not to defend mm-hmm. the murder of this man who, and she never, I, she, we very early on, at least can guess who it is she's killed because mm-hmm. very early on, we know she was attacked and raped by Paulino. Um, and it's pretty darn obvious that if he's not the man that she killed, she probably killed another man that pri- tried to do the same thing. It's just, you know, exactly. movie logic, but, um, she never ever defends herself against his death. She never says, well, he was a bad man. He deserved it. She never says he assaulted me. And so he deserved to die. Even such an, uh, this, uh, in the context of this movie, that's an innate comment. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even make that much of a comment. Yeah, had she even said just that, even though there would have been uh, no way for her to prove it, mm-hmm. other than maybe she they have could have found sympathy. She would have had yeah, the sympathy exactly. of the jury. It would have saved her life. It probably maybe it would have gotten her life in prison or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. She, I think, she even mentions later on. But what's the point of saving my life so that I can, even if I do get free, then to, freedom to what to go f- be with more men like like Paulino. You know, what, mm-hmm. what's the value in that? Um, she, she is a really, uh, she is a tragic character, but also Ooh, yes. has a remarkable character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, good pun, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, she really does. <laughs> she is, she is the kind of character that I think we all fantasize we would be in her situation. Which in real life, we'd probably find ourselves walking down the aisle like, you know, I actually would like to talk to somebody. (laughs) (laughs) It's all my fault he attacked me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Without really ruining the best bits of this movie, I I don't think there's much more we can say about it. I don't Uh, either. It is a short movie. Mm-hmm. It's 65 minutes and you know from the very beginning that she's guilty it's a little bit amazing that they get 65 minutes out of it <laughs> <laughs> honestly but that said that in no way implies that it's not worth every minute of the 65 that they put into it yeah it was very interesting I mean I was very pleasantly surprised at how intelligent and interesting of a film this one was. Um, I absolutely agree. This this is a movie that I finished watching it and immediately wanted to watch it again. And Mm -hmm. I think without giving anything away, I can say it's a movie that you have to watch twice to appreciate you. If the first time you watch it, you're finding out what happened. The second time you watch it, you're understanding what happened and it's Mm -hmm. worth the second watch for that. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it a second time. Oh, uh, go back and I, watch it a second time. You'll be even more impressed I, with I, her. Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> I honestly think I will. I did go back and watch our last film again. Uh, in be- <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so much fun. This is, it this was is a, lot a different of fun. kind of fun. I think this is, this is a really great study in character, not as in characters, mm-hmm. but in human character. I think this yeah. is a really great study in human character. And I think you've got this woman who is, by anybody's standard, petite. She's five foot one. We find out early on from the coffin measuring. (laughs) She's a small woman, a small character. She's got a small social value. Nobody's ever going to think anything about her as being important. Nobody would ever consider her to be, you know, a pillar of society or anything like that. But as far as being somebody that I think by the end of the movie you absolutely admire, she's just remarkable. 
and she's so different from the last heroine we we saw. But oh, very she, much. And it's funny because up until this point, I don't think either of us have called her a heroine, but she really, she really is. Mm-hmm. And her character is what makes her that. She's really remarkable, I think, as a character. This is a film that I never had heard of. I don't think it's well. Uh, granted, most of our films are films I've never heard <laughs> of, but it seems this is the kind of film that you would think you would have heard of in you know uh, just movie circles Film or something class. like that. I it would yeah. <laughs> would be very curious to know whether this is a type of film that I could see being used in like film classes. It uh, should just because be. of the storytelling and yes. the direction. I think you are right. I, I, I don't know whether or not I have, you know, I've not lived long enough and seen enough movies to know whether or not this movie is indicative of the storytelling in its era, I think probably I've seen enough to say it's not. It's an exception. But it is exceptional. Wow, I've just just got so many of those, you know. If you can't control your emotions, your emotions will control you. (laughs) It is an exception as an exceptional film. But but that is what makes it exceptional is that it's – I think you're right. I think it's ahead of its time. I just flubbered Mm -hmm. through that. But all that to say, yeah, ahead of its time. (laughs) (laughs) This was a film I really wish our friend Barry was still with us. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, well, he's still show. with I, us. I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't say, yeah, not with us. That sounds terrible. He's fine. We're still with the show. <laughs> It'd be great to have him back on this one. I agree. This is a movie that might be interesting to revisit. Uh, him and Dave Minkus, Barry yes. Worst and Dave Minkus, are bringing screen geeks back. Maybe we'll have to throw this one their way. and uh, collaborate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's a very exciting to see him back in the in the pod potosphere. Yeah, he's been he's been doing reviews for I believe Maui Times for years and years. Yes, he has. Phenomenal mm-hmm. writer, great guy. But yeah, exciting to know that they're back in podcasting as well. Yes. So there's a shout out to them. Go go look up Screen Geeks, folks. You will not be sorry. <laughs> you will not. So yeah, you guys have always made me feel like an an ignorant child with your vast knowledge of film, and Barry and Dave are part of that group. <laughs> Oh, Barry and Dave uh, dwarf me. I, I I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> well, we're both nothing. real short. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we Othel this thing? <laughs> we should. We should. I kind of jumped in and gave my Othel first last time, so I'm going to force you to go first this time. <laughs> That's hard. So this is a movie. It's so funny. I come down to can I fault it? does it blend you know (laughs) can i come up with any major faults in this movie and and it's so funny to this has got to be extremely rare i this is the second movie in a row i think last last month i gave a hard five othels and it, for a film that is so remarkably different and absolutely not my typical shtick, I can't fault anything in this movie. I, I mean, if you want to complain about the budget, <laughs> I don't think that you can count that off for a film because they have what they have, you know. We've seen movies come through and be blockbusters that were made with for the price of a camera, you know, and whether those are good or not, that's, you know, personal opinion. But in this case, you know, if the biggest fault to it is the very small budget, I can't think of that as a fault at all. Because with what they had, they did, they made the most. Uh, so I, I think I, I have to give this five othels. I keep looking for people I can recommend to watch this movie. <laughs> I, I think that's the big compliment right there in the proof in the pudding. If if I really want to tell people about a movie, I think that it has to rate five othels. And in this case, that that really is the truth of the matter. See, I think this is a film where I would be hard pressed to. This would be a hard sell for some for most people. It as a, um, as a traditional story, I agree. This is right. not. This is not the Wizard of Oz. You're not going to come out of this movie skipping and cheering. <laughs> but I can think of a lot of people, mostly other pod, other film podcasters, that probably would really appreciate seeing something like this. And I think it was I think it would surprise them. Yeah, I think so too. I think anybody interested there there are two sides to this coin. There is the the cinematography of it in its era. I think was pretty good, and you can't you can't pass up that crotch scene. 
But <laughs> the, the other the other side of it is, no, well, but you knew I was going to come back to this like Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie not about events, but about people. And if you are a student of character and of humanity, I think this is a must see. This is this is not the movie that you watch because you want to go out and be entertained. This is the movie that you watch because you want to sit back and think, oh, would I have done that? Would, and then you want to talk to your friends and say, what would, would you have do, done that? Like, would you have said what she said? Would, would you have done what that guy said? Would, would you have really prosecuted her knowing what you know about her? I think from that perspective, yeah, it's it is a hard sell because like my dad hates Shirley Temple movies, which are he always says an hour and twenty minutes of misery followed by five minutes of happiness. This is <laughs> this is not a movie that you walk out of skipping and singing, but it is a real story with guts in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh about the only thing I could if you wanted to knock anything off is some of the casting, like we discussed was a little off. Um, Paul Kavanaugh was an odd choice. Even frankly, when you find out that Edith is, you know, the wife, like she, him, her, what, you know, (laughs) and I almost said it earlier. I originally looked at him and thought, really, he's the hero. But after knowing the end of this story, it makes perfect sense to me. It would have to be him. It couldn't be, uh, Tony Curtis or Rock Hudson coming in and being this character, it would never That's work. That's true. It would never, ever work. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. You need someone, obviously, because we find out that his wife is, you can tell, is a fairly, you get the impression she's a bit of a controlling yes. wife. You need someone that has been manipulated yes. and controlled and yeah, guided I, through his life. I think yeah, it, you couldn't first, have someone. Yeah, yeah, I think at first you look at him and go, "What? This guy for her? Really? Shouldn't she be with somebody younger, handsomer, more fun?" But he's yeah. I think knowing the story, it makes more sense. Uh, and I totally yeah. hijacked your Othel rating again. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, because <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to maybe justify or trying to explain it and, and everything as well. Yeah, it's weird because last time we were both five Othels. On There Goes the Bride, because we had so much fun it's with it and so everything. Fun. But yeah, I kind of have to give the same rating to this one, but for very different reasons. It's hard to do it because of that. It's yes. like, shouldn't there be something in common to have the same rating? In this case, nah, it turns out they're done. No, <laughs> no, it's just, it's a very different film. I mean, it's really, it's the, it's far off the spectrum or opposite end of the spectrum as the last film as you can get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, same same rating. I'd have to give it a five. I'd really recommend people to see this because I think you'd be very surprised, and I think you'd be very interested. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And 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 what is and then the story that's being told? Yeah, like we're saying, it it is a story about people. Mm-hmm. It's a story about characters. I'd put this up with like um, something like rain, like Twelve Angry Men. Yeah, I think when we review or rain, rain. Did you say rain? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not, don't get mistaken, it's not rain. It's not the same story that's been rehashed. Um, yeah, it's it's so funny. I think any time that I come up with a high rating for a movie about a woman on death row, <laughs> 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 at least, you know, at least. Oh, that old trope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me. I want the guy and the girl to kiss in the beginning and at the end. <laughs> right. I want the happy the happy story all the way through. And I want, you know, horses dancing and I want, you know, lions, you know, clapping and I don't know what I'm saying. I want it to be <laughs> happy, happy, happy. You know, and yes. romantic, and, you know, I want the five minutes of drama just so that they can get through it. But in this case, you get the 65 minutes of drama, and you still get a high rating from me. Yeah, well, I guess that'll do it. Like I said, we can't really say anything more about this without spoiling it. And this is a movie that deserves to not be spoiled. It does. It, you really need to watch it for yourself. 100%. So that's going to do it for this month. A little bit of a shorter episode than we might be used to. I don't know. It might actually, by the time I throw a, a clip or two, maybe, in here. We'll go back and watch come the out movie right. again. <laughs> yes. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that episode was short, just go watch the movie again to make up for it. <laughs> exactly what you need to do. Well, Lydia, thank you very much, as always, for joining me. Thank I'm glad you. you you found this as interesting as I did. <laughs> I, I read your your little clip and was like, oh, Inception, wah, and then I watched it and was like, 
I wouldn't I would not have made that analogy, interestingly. But you are not mistaken that it is uh worthy of modern directors. So that's going to do it. We'll be back in another month. So until then, uh, thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.